All right, welcome to the Win All Day Everyday podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. We're in episode five already. Last week we had Scott King, associate coach with the Moose Jaw Warriors, and our skills coach at Prairie Hockey Academy as our guest. And uh, today we've got another legendary guest, and I'm looking forward to, to getting a chance to talk to him and, and uh, get to know him a little bit more. And, and hopefully he's got some great advice for, for all of our listeners out there. Um, then we'll move into some story time and some guide provide and everything else. But uh, I'm, my name is Barrett Crop. I'm the host of the show. My guest host is Justin Simpkins. We're going to kick it off. Justin, who's our guest today? You know, excited to introduce a friend of mine and uh, Adrian Valaka. So Adrian's the uh, director of performance of Gary Roberts High Performance Training. Uh, joining us today from from Toronto, Ontario. Uh, the big smoke, right? Yeah. Uh, home of the Leafs, and so we were excited to have Adrian join us. Adrian's got a pretty cool story. Uh, he trains some of the world's best in, in the game of hockey, and uh, I mean, he himself was an MMA fighter. And I don't know if he'll get into those stories or not, but um, but yeah, he's, he's got a lot to offer. So excited to uh, introduce him to our listeners. So Good let's stuff. let's do that. Adrian, welcome to uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I think uh, last time last time we met was at a restaurant downtown Toronto, and I wish we had a podcast rolling for that dinner. But this is this is the second best thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have some notes, so at least we'll we'll have some future topics. We'll bring you back to uh, <laughs> to shoot that second one. To tell them. Yeah, Perfect. that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Adrian, I mean, you know, interesting bit, obviously, uh, you know, you're a strength and, strength and conditioning coach, but the, actually the overall director of performance at, uh, at Gary Roberts and the high performance training. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. You've been there since 2011. Tell me about your job, maybe even how it's evolved into to where you're at today. Bit of background. I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, uh, Steel Town, Blue Collar. Uh, everyone played hockey, so I did play hockey myself. I was not particularly good, and I hated to practice, um, which is hilarious now. Uh, I love to train though. I just, I just hated the aspect of going out and practicing or power skating or doing anything around it. So uh, it's funny that I've fallen into it, to it now. Uh, when I was 17, I got beat up in a locker room that led me through a, a you know, Joseph Campbell-esque finding yourself journey into fighting. Uh, I had started to fight uh, at an amateur level at that point, And I was looking for a way to get down to Toronto because the training was just so much better down here. And there happened to be an opportunity to work with Gary at his training facility. Um, Lauren Goldenberg, who's a, a man in my life that I owe a lot to, he's a strength coach in Ottawa. He used to be a strength coach for the Blackhawks, uh, St. Louis, um, the Canadians, so a whole host of, of NHL teams. He ran the ACC, and I had done an internship with him uh, that previous summer. He called me one day out of the blue and just said, hey, Gary Roberts is looking for a, a junior coach. They're expanding their business. I think you should go interview. And at that point, I mean, I had, I had some knowledge of who Gary was, but it certainly wasn't, you know, it wasn't super well developed. I mean, even, even as a, I watch more hockey now than I did as a kid. That's for sure. Cause a lot of our friends and, and clients play. Um, but even as a pro fighter, I didn't watch a lot of pro fights. So uh, yeah, I have an eclectic sports interest. I'll watch all of the tour de France, but I, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll watch all the Tour de France, but I I won't watch you know whatever eighty two Leafs games during the year. Um, wow. So Adrian <laughs> so, just became our favorite guest here. I yeah, was like, yeah. The Tour de France comment is great. It's good. I was well. We can we can go into that. I was there this year, so you'll love that story. Oh, okay, but that's uh, great. yeah, that. yeah. So so yeah. So I I knew like you know kind of loosely who Gary was, but. Um, but my old man was super excited. My dad's a, a, a diehard hockey fan. So he was really excited. He's like, you got to go. So I came down, met the team, you know, got along like pretty, pretty well. And 
and they they hired me so that was kind of the start of it at the time we worked inside of a facility so we had uh it was called the fitness institute uh the the squash courts they had blown the four walls out of the squash courts and they turned it into our gym which was great i mean a nice high ceilings it was really open really bright but there was glass all the way around the outside so it was you know kind of the fishbowl so to speak so we'd have like these top players like stammer was yeah I mean, he was the best player in the world at that time um in the gym training and then there'd just be this line of of old guys like kind of wrapped around the entire glass like kids with their faces pushed <laughs> against it like watching what was going on so yeah it was a great place to be a part of um that was kind of my first intro to to professional athletics and you know and getting a taste for uh for what that was all about and then we kind of transitioned from there so we left we left that facility uh they were selling it to good life at the time there's a bit of a you know a bit of a transitionary falling out period we actually went back to gary's house so it all began at gary's house with stammer uh he retired and yeah, you guys, you'll have to get Rob's on to tell some of these stories because I won't do them justice. But he had uh, he had just retired playing the game. Tampa wanted him to stay down, uh, Stammer, excuse me, to stay down in Tampa to train for the summer. Stammer didn't want to. He's like, man, I want to go home, see my family. So they reached out to Rob's and they're like, hey, will you like, will you train this kid for the summer? And that was kind of the genesis of Gary Roberts training and, and what it is today. So Steven was the number, was client numero uno. And I mean, he's still with us today. Um, and he looks, he looks, I haven't seen him look this good in, in six or seven years. I'll say that. So he okay. looks unbelievable right now out of this world. Good. It's insane. Like so strong, so fast dialed in it's yeah, it's been really, really fun to watch, but that's kind of how it started at Gary's house. And then as it grew, they transitioned into this facility and we actually went back to his house for a period. So I felt so bad for his wife, uh, Michelle, I'm sure his kids <laughs> loved it, but man, there's like 35 guys coming in and out of the house all day. And the way it was set up, you know, the, the gym had a, you know, a quasi separate entrance. So you walk into the door um, and there is like a little bit of a, like a front front area, like kind of, I don't know, like a foyer, I guess. So it was like entrance to the garage, entrance to the house, then entrance to the gym. So thankfully guys didn't have to walk through the kitchen in the living room. It's not like they were that, uh, you know, intrusive, but nonetheless, like the door would open and you'd hear like the beep, beep of the door opening on like nonstop all day. Guys coming in and out. We'd be in his backyard, like running sprints in the backyard. And, um, yeah. And unfortunately St. Andrews college, uh, there's an opportunity to move into that facility and it's, huh, it's just out of control. Like it looks like a U.S. college. It's a high school, but you know dave manning's done a great job on their program and and it's got a lot of clout in the at least in the canadian prep school system so we operate out of there now uh 25 to 30 players with pro contracts whether that's nhl ahl or europe and then you know another call it uh 70 to 80 junior players so ohl drafted uh or excuse me going into your OHL draft year, which is, is that a year after the Western Hockey League? Is that, is that right? I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's your 15 year old year in the OHL. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, 08 players through college hockey. Uh, and then we have like two little satellite locations that are our younger programs. So kind of like 12 to 15 basically. And I think that 12 is kind of the cutoff for us in terms of terms of age. I think I shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, 10, 11 is great if you got a really mature group, but, but at 12, they seem to be focused and locked in enough that, that we can get some really good work done. So that's kind of the overview of the whole system. I started out as a pigeon. Um, <laughs> I did, I did, you know, all the grunt work, 
uh, as I should have because I had, you know, like I had nothing. I didn't deserve anything else. And then just kind of, yeah, over the years it progressed. Yeah, I became a, a senior coach and then moved into a larger leadership role and myself and then Lucas um, Azareta Lobo, who has already been out to see you guys, uh, and Brian Duncan. So kind of the three of us oversee the whole program now and each has our own area of expertise, so to speak. Uh, but it's been, yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's, it's a team environment, it's a family environment. So that part's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, speaking of a family environment, right? I think uh, congratulations to, to you and your wife. I think you were recently married yeah. here and um, obviously have a, have a new daughter. And so, and I mean, tell us about that. Sylvie, uh, she works with you as well. Yeah, so Syl, Syl is, yeah, the she's the mother bear of the facility for sure. I mean, she is the mother bear too now to, to our daughter Kennedy, but uh, Syl runs all of our nutrition as well. So she oversees that component of the program. So we met, she actually hired me, um, funnily enough. So that's kind of a, that's a running joke. But uh, yeah, we've been, we've worked together uh, the entire time and we've, you know, had a relationship and a family together. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a really different environment, I would say, but it works really, really well. She handles all the nutrition. I don't step on her toes. Uh, I leave that to her and vice versa. You know? So I think inside of the inside of the business, we both have our, our areas of expertise uh, that we focus on. Uh, but it is it's a great it's a great option to collaborate. And then the third piece of that, so Gary Roberts performance like FTR fuel train recover, that is our that's our mantra. That's what we yeah, live and die by. If you don't have those three things, then yeah, quite frankly, you're you're leaving success on the table. Um, so still handles fuel, you know, myself, Lucas Bryan, the team handle train, and then our therapists are on site as well. So we work with uh, Mike Prebag, Melissa Givalos, their team, uh, and a series of under wonderful chiropractors who I'm missing here just for the sake of time. Uh, but that that sets up this like beautiful little Venn diagram, and the athlete gets to you know, sit in the middle, and then we have these three spheres that intersect. So if something's going on, and like Gabe Landeskog is a good example, he's home, he's doing his rehab. Um, you know, we can all we can all talk. It's not like a Zoom meeting has to be organized, and we need 19 people to come on. You know, it's as simple as walking upstairs, like pulling someone out from the other room. Three people can have a quick conversation about where he's at, what his progress is, what we're all seeing and then we can break an implement, right? So if you can cut down the time from idea to implementation, then you can, you can be more successful. It's really neat. I think, I mean, that's great to hear the background and the story, the, the evolution here of, uh, of, of the Gary Roberts brand. And I mean, you guys have really developed over the, over the years. It's, to me, it's, it's easy to know uh, and to, to, to read about, see that it just seems like if, if you are a top hockey player, especially in the East, um, or maybe from Germany, you're going to go to Toronto to train with Gary Roberts High Performance Training, right? That's what you're doing for your summer training, and you guys have really established that brand. And so, congrats on that. Um, and I think Thank more you. than that, you know, you've you've also established that reputation with with each of the teams. And it sounds like the team doctors, right? Tell me a bit more there. You guys are pretty, you know, just like you talked about with Gabe Landeskog there. I think you do that even throughout the season. It's probably team specific, I would say, because some teams are great. Uh, and some teams are, you know, a little bit more closed off and a little bit, yeah, a little bit closer to the heart, so to speak. Uh, and, and I understand that too. I mean, the last thing you want to be told is that you're not doing a good job. And, you know, I think if someone comes in externally, it could feel like you're being told that, but that's really not the intent. If you get, if you get hurt during the season, you can 
rehab with your team. There's lots of good teams. There's lots of good therapists, lots of good strength coaches, team doctors, everything. Uh, but it's hard because there's 26 other players and you're one of 26. I think the big advantage that we have is that, that you can come back and be one of one, right? Or one of two. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so we do, we do get a lot of players home for injury that then go back to their teams and just, yeah, I think if you do a good job with one or two of those players, uh, everything kind of opens up and it becomes a much friendlier relationship and we can compare notes back and forth. And I would say with, with, of all the teams that we interact with 75, 80% have this beautiful working relationship and the yeah, others probably like 20% that have a lot of friction, but uh, you know, that's, that's pretty good. I'd say considering the, the environment. <laughs> Absolutely. So Adrian, what, uh, what's the, the genesis on the connection back to Prairie Hockey Academy and, and, you know, we've through COVID set up our high performance training center and whatnot. And you guys with Gary Roberts training center have, you know, been an integral part of setting up our programming and even training our, um, you know, our head strength and conditioning coach with Dustin. So just talk about that story a little bit. Justin, what's, what was the very first touch point? Maybe can you, can you, yeah. can you clarify this for me? You know what? I, I, I mean, I have to go back and look at an email, but I want to say I threw a, uh, just a inquiry email into you guys' website back in like summer 2019. And, right. and, I, and I got an email back from somebody, uh, which was you actually. And so we just started that coming out a phone call and started having a conversation. And I think at that point, you know, Adrian, we had, we had plans that you were going to come and visit uh, in correct. like February of 2020 or March, somewhere That's in correct. there. And then, um, and then this pandemic broke out and, and we just started to build a relationship more on Zoom. We never actually got you here uh, on site. But that was kind of the, I think that was the start of it. And I remember we texted yeah. you videos and pictures of our old gym, gym space that we had. And we're like, how the heck do we make this better? <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's funny, Barrett. It's really funny. You know, there's certain there's certain interactions in your life that you think are throwaway reactions or interactions, excuse me, until later, right? So that's probably one of them. Like I, you know, I might have answered, I might have answered ten of those emails, you know, and only right. one of them actually came to fruition into this relationship that we have now. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think that we're in a very special special situation here in Toronto dealing with the caliber of athlete that we work with and you know, if there's an opportunity to kind of like help spread that, uh, in any way, I've also never been to Saski. So I think that was probably like a big part of it too. Like I've, I've been, <laughs> I think I've been, Oh, I haven't been in Newfoundland either, but I've been, I've been pretty much everywhere else. So I'd never been out to Saski. So I thought, Oh, this might be a great opportunity to go see part of the, you know, part of the country. Uh, and I do love Western Canada. So I think that Western Canada reminds me a bit of the U S and that there's like a fierce independence for Western Canada, despite being part of a, of a, a nation, which uh, we don't have in Ontario. So that part I, I really, really like. Um, and then, yeah, obviously we had Dustin out here as well, which was fantastic. Our doors are always open. That's one big thing. I don't think we have no secrets. You know, I don't, I, I think everyone does the same thing, quote unquote. I think that the, uh, the information is readily available to everyone. Just how you, how you execute on it and how you coach it is, is probably the differentiating factor. Uh, so our doors are always open. So yeah, when, when, you guys reached out and said, Hey, we're coming down to Toronto. Can someone come visit? Like, absolutely. The doors, the doors open, come on down. Uh, and we, you know, we got to, we got to learn some stuff too. It's not like it was a one way street. I got to learn all about gifts sent inside of group chats on player signings. And, uh, I got to educate, <laughs> I got to educate our boy on why Matthew Kachuk is one of the best hockey players in the national hockey league. So 
you know, it was, yeah, it was a very, it was a very fruitful week. I'll say that. Well, as, good, as this good. relationship with, with you guys and, and prairie hockey, I wasn't at prairie hockey at the time. I was on, right, yeah. on the other end of the world there in Vancouver and, uh, I, I'd recruit Spencer to come play for me. So Gary's nephew, Spencer Roberts came and played for me at training Western right. university. That's so right. yeah. it's really unique now sitting here and seeing how all those worlds kind of collide now and, and uh, just, yeah, the hockey world's so small, right? And, and I love how you talk about just, the, it's open. There's no secrets. We love to just help each other out and, and progress uh, our, our programs and, and move things forward. So I really appreciate that comment. Well, speaking of a small world, you, you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were in Czech, right? Working with their national team, like in yeah. Prague. Is that is that yeah. true? So we had, I was just in France for a camp with uh, Propulse out there. And we had four, four Czech guys. Um, two were based in Prague uh but all four of them played in trinic um so they were out there and i was like yeah i've been since i've gotten home i've gotten nothing but text messages from these guys to come to prague and watch them play hockey oh, yeah. so Great yeah place. i was i was Most yeah i was in the world oh amazing so one of the players i think daniel uh Vojulnik, i think so i he's he won mvp this year for the czech league in their playoffs he's like 103 kilos so it's like 227 maybe 228 something like that uh i think he could play in the national hockey league tomorrow like he's so good i was blown away at how good he was and i think that's just kind of like eye-opening it's like man, there's so many good hockey players in the world yeah. that but for him it's like well why would you leave you know like you leave to come over and get a two-way and then you know like what if the team's like oh you don't understand the game yet like go in the yeah. hl and then it's like well why, why did i just leave my family and kids back in prague to play in i don't know rockford or or whatever yeah. but um yeah, the hockey world couldn't be tiny. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of best players in the world, uh, I think one of those guys, uh, you're working with them now, aren't you? Tell us about Connor. Uh, which one? <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's right. There might be a younger one you know, challenging the older one, right? But We have two. Yeah, yeah. Bedard just got, uh, just got here two weeks ago. So he's with us for all of August and a little bit into September, I guess. Well, that's great because he, he played, yeah. played in Regina just 40 minutes away from us here. So, yeah. you know, our, our listeners are going to be very familiar with him and what he did out here this last year. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk about both of them. Uh, I'll talk about the ways in which they're similar for sure. Uh, they, both, oh, they both love the game of hockey more than, than you know, 99.9 percent .9 of players that i know that's for sure like they're just so passionate about hockey both of them um i think the the other thing that that so my first day was connor's first day mcdavid's first day so we had the same first day together so we've known each other for a long long time you know he's yeah he's a very close friend i'm very fortunate to have that relationship um and connor bedard now reminds me of mcdavid back then um and McDavid still needs to be pulled back. He does too much, uh, you know, or he has a tendency to want to do too much for sure. Um, uh, but he's maturing now and he's starting to understand his body and he's, you know, understanding the value of rest. And he understands that uh, if he, yeah, taking, taking the, the dial back a little bit right now means you get to turn it up later. Um, but Dar's just going through that process. So he's just learning that, uh, you know, they're, they're very different players, that's for sure, in terms of the way they play the game of hockey. But their approach and their commitment and their how serious they are about it from a very young age is very, very similar. So uh, Bedard came to our facility, I think when he was 14 maybe with his agency, and Gary didn't let him train because his hips were so tight and so bad that he wouldn't let him skate and he wouldn't let him train. So he sent him upstairs, had him get treatment, and then made him stretch for the whole session. 
So this guy flew from, yeah, from BC to Toronto. He thinks like I'm going out at Gary Roberts training facility and uh, Rob's just completely shut him down. He's like, you're too tight kid. So since then he's taken that to heart. So now he's got like this amazing mobility and stretching routine. He's super mobile, super loose. Um, but you know, at 14 or 15, like he's like, yeah, okay, I'm doing this from now on. So he's committed to that. You know, now three, four years later, uh, he's put himself in a in a way better position to to succeed. Um, yeah, they're both both strong. Maybe Bedard's release is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like I think he scored four goals in our Friday scrimmage. It was insane. I was like, man, he just fires the puck. But he trained, so he trained in the morning on Friday. And then he had like some accessory, like arm farm work. Uh, and he's like, okay, I can't do it right now. I got to go. Like, I don't want my hands to feel terrible out there. So he skated. Then he came back into the gym. Then he did, uh, he did a little upper body accessory work after the skate. And then he went upstairs and ate. And he's like, what should I do now? I'm like, well, you should go home. And then I go upstairs and I look out the window and I see him shooting pucks out, out in our like little shooting stand. And it's like, well, it was you've worked out, skated, worked out, had lunch, and now you're shooting pucks and it's Friday and you've trained like since Sunday. So like maybe go home. On the flip side, McDavid, the exact same. Like train, skated, what are you doing? I'm going to Pilates. Okay, go to Pilates. What do you have after? He's like, oh, I got to go do whatever. Like I got another skate later. So yeah, they're both, they're both just wired different. Interesting. And you say wired different, right? Here you are working with other star players, NHL All-Stars, Stanley Cup champs, and um, but these two... Are just wired differently and you know one of my questions i probably had from you is what what you get to see in all those different levels from some of the you know the, the high school the the you know ohl players that you work with and the and the pros varying levels but you know it's the the margin to move from one league to the next is pretty small yet it's a big jump like what are you seeing that separates people to get to that next level you have to have your base skills you, know, you need to be able to like shoot pass and you have to be able to think the game there's no question about it if you can't think the game you're if you can't think the game you have to move one million miles a minute basically like you got to be the fastest player in the world almost um but then the, i don't know there's just a there's a there's a mindset component to it so i mean this is a like a pretty good example i think so last off season like it's kind of like late august i would say or mid-august and like we're in the gym and Ty Delandria is in the gym. Um, so Ty plays for Dallas, you know, played a lot of like big minutes this year for them, like had a good playoff for sure. And, uh, and like Rob's is like, what do you think about, what do you think about Ty? And I know like the least of hockey about hockey of everyone on our, on our staff, like, you know, at least our on ice coaches and all of that. And I'm like, man, he's going to play in the NHL. And he's like, why do you say that? And like, he just is like, just the way he carries himself, the way he approaches it, the way that he goes about his work, um, the way the way he thinks about competing, like he's going to play in the NHL. He just is, 100%. So then this season comes up and he plays in the NHL the whole time, misses like two games for a broken thumb, and then plays in the playoffs, plays up and down the lineup, plays some first-line time, some third-line time. Um, and it's like, well, like why? It's like, oh, he's just... It's just the the way that he approaches the game is a big separator. Like he acts like a pro and he's acted like a pro since the very beginning. So that's everything from yeah, nutrition to training to recovery. And most importantly, probably compete when he's out there. So so Ryan Winterton's my next call. I'll put it out here on the podcast. Ryan Winterton's he's gonna be a good NHL hockey player. I don't think it's gonna be this year, but it'll be the year after. 
Okay, okay. That, that's interesting you say that. You know, uh, Scott King was our guest last week, and he's, he's yeah. been working with Prairie Hockey Academy since, since year one, so he's going on to his seventh year with us. And um, with the Moostra Warriors, I remember a few years back, they had, they had a really strong team and some, some top-end draft picks. And he just said, uh, Tanner Janot will be the best player he's going to play in the NHL. And, oh, yeah? And I was like, why do you say that, right? And he's like, he just carries himself differently. I mean, he's, even, after a, even after a home game, he's the last one out of, out of the gym like he, or out of the arena. Like he might go and do some work. Maybe it's mobility. Maybe it's some accessory. He's the last one out. He takes a prof- he's a professional already at this age. He's going to play. That's awesome. And you look at Tanner now, and he's... Uh, well, what's his nickname? He's got a hilarious nickname, doesn't he? Because like, where's he from in Sasky? I don't know his nickname, actually. Oh. Oh. Oxbow, Oxbow, the Oxbow Ox. That's I think. Yeah, Oxbow Ox. There you go. Yeah. yeah, or like maybe not his nickname, but that's what the press writes about him. <laughs> <That's> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something about it. 100. percent You can you can like sense it. Yeah, you can sense it for sure. The way that they carry themselves. And I think having young players like so a guy like Bedard, you know, like he's undoubtedly going to be a superstar in the National Hockey League. You know, like he. One of our guys got off the ice and he's like, man, he's the fourth best player on the ice out there today. And it's like, well, who's above him? It's like, well, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Stamkos. And like, he was number four, right? So <laughs> it's like pretty good, pretty good company to have. Um, but uh, but for him, it's like he gets to watch the way that Connor competes and the way that Leon competes and the way that Steven competes. Uh, and he gets to be close to that. And I think that that is just, you know, that's invaluable. You know, just just an understanding of the way that they approach it and the way that they carry themselves, and yeah, it's less about it's less about the skill at that point because they all have it. Right now, it's now it's about you know kind of belief, right? Like, do you think you can do that? So, talk to me about the championship mindset. I mean, you know, Adrian, championship lifestyle, right? Would be uh, the, the yeah. company of yours that you'd started and founded. Yeah. And um, I think this is a bit of, you know, some of the work that you do with the Designs for Sport Academy and doing a lecture on this idea of a championship mindset. Maybe just tell me a little bit about yes. that. What's the problem we're facing today and how do we rectify it? Yeah, yeah. So so I got really sick for uh, for a six or seven month period, uh, probably, well now I'm seven, seven or eight years ago. Uh, so my whole family's got a history of hyperthyroidism, Graves disease. And uh, I had fought, so cutting weight is terrible for your body. It's probably one of the worst things you can do in athletics. So I went through a training camp. I had cut weight. And for listeners that don't understand fighting, that means that the day before you fight, you have to weigh in at a set weight. So that it's you're contractually, contractually obligated to make that weight. So for myself, I fought at 145 pounds. If it's a non-title fight, they give you a one-pound buffer, so 146. So I would weigh in at 146, and then I would fight at 162. So, you know, it's the math, <laughs> the math doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem real, but that's when, when I would walk into the cage, I'd be about 162. Um, so I've done a training camp, fought, cut weight, uh, fought one, and then had like a pretty good fight opportunity come up six weeks later. Um, and I said, yes, which was probably in retrospect, a terrible decision. You know, you can't, you just can't run your body that long without downstream consequences. So I go through training camp again, have a bit of a like rough training camp, don't feel great, cut weight, have a terrible weight cut. Like I feel like I'm like passing out basically. Um, weigh in, fight, lose in the third round, um, go home, really, yeah, really beat up. And usually, yeah, the first week after is terrible. And then the week after that, you start to feel better, better, better throughout the month, but that wasn't happening. So I was losing weight. I was like still weighing like 150 pounds, um, which for me was, yeah, it was, 
probably 13 pounds under what I should have been. And my heart rate had jacked way up. So my resting heart rate was up around 110 beats a minute. I was sweating through my clothes. My hands were shaking. So I tried to eat soup and it was, yeah, it was really, really bad. So I, yeah, one day I was at, at home with Syl. I'm like, I got to go in and get checked out. And I remember I had to go to the doctor's office. I had to walk up a flight of stairs. When I got to the top, I had to get a key for the washroom because I was sweating so bad from the exertion that I couldn't imagine sitting in the waiting room. Like doctor's waiting rooms are so stuffy to begin with. And here I am like leaking. So I go into the washroom. It's a single person washroom. Thank God. Like lock it, take my clothes off and literally lie on the floor. There couldn't be a more disgusting story. <laughs> lie on the floor with my shirt off to try and cool down. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I had a few, few medical conditions or one medical condition that was causing all that. Uh, they put me on some medication, which was great. Uh, I didn't want to be on it my entire life, obviously. Um, and you know, that's, I think there's a time and place for everything. Um, but just, yeah, at like 26, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be medicated for this my whole life. Surely there's something else I can do. Um, so yeah, a combination of, of traditional medicine and you know, naturopathic medicine, um, we kind of merged it together and I started to get a lot better and it was great, but it was a, it was a gradual process. So I had six, seven, eight, nine months where I was, I was pretty sick and I couldn't do anything. So I was looking for a project. And so championship lifestyle and specifically championship mindset just started out as me trying to work through my own, my own challenges at the time. Um, so that led me to stoicism uh, is like one of the prim primary drivers um, inside of that, inside of that idea. And yeah, a bunch of different, bunch of different thought leaders uh, in the space. And after taking all that information and like somewhat distilling it and you know nothing is new in this world so i'll say i discovered it for myself um you know and i couldn't even tell you exactly where the principles came from at this point but as far as i can tell there's only three things in the world that you can control and that's your effort your attitude and your focus so eaf effort attitude focus everything else happens and i don't believe that things happen to you i think they just happen and that's an important distinction because if you think things happen to you, then you're a victim in your story. Um, and you should never aim to be a victim. Uh, so yeah, so those became kind of like my guiding principles. I would, I would operate through, through those three subsets. And then obviously, a, you know, a series of other like lessons that my parents would have taught me over my entire lifetime. And, you know, those are predominantly Judeo-Christian lessons because both my parents um, grew up in, in the Catholic church. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I kind of used them to guide my own life. And then as I was getting better and I was feeling a lot better and mentally, I, I felt really good despite the, the challenge. I just started to talk about it a lot more. Um, and so, yeah, that would be either in a designs for sports setting on a webinar, uh, on podcasts <clears throat> or, uh, in smaller groups, like go talk to teams and stuff like that. And then so I was like, hey, why don't we start a podcast? Because we're doing, you know, you're doing this all the time and I want to talk about stuff too. So we started the podcast and that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how, how it started. Um, but those, like those things still exist now and it's been great. Like, you know, we were talking before we started airing, I think just about the, the kid breaking his stick and having the, we had a kid who slammed his stick, the, the Coles notes, kid slammed his stick. He was being a big baby. And uh, he was given a wooden stick with basically a straight curve. And the only person that could play with that stick, well, the only two people that I know of are Sid Crosby and Leon Dreisaitl. And no one else can play with a straight curve like that. Um, but we had, we had an instance, like even, even a couple of days ago, this guy makes, well, makes a lot of money, makes north of $6 million in the NHL. I'll say that. 
And uh, he was not happy because we didn't have a goaltender show up and he flipped the puck over the boards the entire practice, the whole practice. Every time he came in to shoot on the net, he would just flip it up into the mesh and then fall down. Wouldn't shoot him the shooter tutor one time. And uh, and he got off the ice and I'm, and yeah, we're talking and I'm like, how you doing? He's like, I'm fine. I'm like, well, you didn't look fine. He's like, well, I'm upset. I'm like, yeah, I'm upset too. He's like, what are you upset about? I'm like, well, you, you like, you acted like a child for the last 45 minutes. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, man, you play in the national hockey league. You're on your third contract. You make great money. You're, you know, you're a leader on your team. I'm like, you just showed all our kids in here that if something doesn't go your way, it's okay to just flip pucks into the mesh. Like, what do you think that says? Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I'm like, no, I, yeah, of course I'm right in this instance. Like, like it's not because I'm some smart guy. It's because, because it's, it's just not like it's just not appropriate, man. So, um, so yeah, I just think like going through and having a framework has given me a great opportunity to have those conversations with players. We got another young player who plays out in out in Western Canada, plays for the uh, for Winnipeg's uh, farm team. Same thing. He like threw his stick into the bench. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I, I missed. I'm like, yeah, and and. He's like, well, I'm mad. I'm like, yeah, me too. Like, go grab your stick, get back, like focus on your work and have a better attitude. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Do you think you're so good you should score every single goal? Is that how good you think you are? So, so yeah, that just, just being able to share those lessons, I think is, has been great. And now that I've gotten a little bit older, you know, I can say it and have like a little bit more clout, you know, when you're like 24 and you're trying to say it, like, like I don't know if you can swear on this, but they're like, shut the F up. Um, <laughs> But then, yeah, now that I'm a little bit older, I have a family, I have a kid, you know, help run a business. Uh, yeah. But in terms of in terms of what I think the big problem is, I think it's the the same thing everyone's identifying. You know, we have this we have this complete loss of uh, accountability and this inability to deal with adversity. And uh, yeah, unless that gets fixed, like I just think we're in for a really really miserable time for all these kids as they get older. They're not like, it's not just going to fix itself later. That's the, that's the big thing too. And that's why sports are so important. And that's why strength and conditioning, I think is so important for everyone because it's a microcosm, you know, where else outside of sport. Uh, and you know, I suppose that's not, that's not true. It could be any sort of like craft, any sort of pursuit. So it could be playing guitar. It could be woodworking. It could be sport, whatever it is. But I think sport's important because there's a physical element to it. You know, you're forced to push yourself into a very uncomfortable zone. Um, so unless you're, unless you're in the movie whiplash on the drums with your hands bleeding, you know, maybe it's tough to get to that point and other actions, but you get to deal with problems with very little consequence, right? I do uh, an assault bike ride and I have this target and I don't hit it. It's like, well, what's the, like, there's not really any downside, you know, like nothing actually happened to you. Like you're safe, your family's safe. You know, everyone that you love is still is still all right in this world and you know you didn't bankrupt yourself but uh but it's a it's a chance to try those lessons out over and over and over again so that's why i think sport is just so so important and it's crucial right and for those of us that are maybe past the age of playing sport uh, you know we need those targets i think we need those targets though like you said on the assault bike or something that's, to push ourselves yeah, yeah. through that adversity right you know you, even if it's pickleball, you can still get out there and chase it around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was doing that all weekend. It's fantastic. <laughs> Were you? Yeah. How's your game? Yeah. It's a lot better than it was a couple summers ago. I uh, was playing my wife, and she dropped a really nice shot to the kitchen. I was nowhere near, and I'm I'm young enough to be competitive enough, eh? And I'm I'm old enough to break, so I actually dove for the ball. No. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and uh, I completely dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> 
is what, like a couple summers ago? Yeah, two summers ago, yeah. Right now. No, two summers oh, ago. I'm good today. I'm good. It's, it's working. Okay. But, uh, no, I still get pretty competitive, even on the pickleball court. It's, uh, it's uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah, no. I think it's a lesson that it's a muscle, you know, like uh, the ability to deal with adversity is a muscle. It's just like everything else. You have to continue to, to do it over and over again. It's not like you get through like one hard workout and you did it really well and you did it with class. And now it's now you do it forever. It's like, well, you, like, yeah, the sun comes up tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. Rent rent is due. Um, right. So, yeah. So through our whole our whole life, we need it for sure. With that champion's mindset, um, you know, in just a few days here, maybe even some centers across the country have already started their tryouts for, for the upcoming season. What are some yeah. things that, that you would say around that champion's mindset that um, a young, whether it's like a U15 or even you know a U18, going into their camp, maybe it's a junior camp, maybe it's just their local minor hockey team they're trying out for. What is, what's one or two nuggets of a champion's mindset that you might be able to drip on them? I actually wrote an article about it like quasi recently. And if I'm not mistaken, I can... I should, yeah, I'll share with you guys after so you guys have it. But, um, sure. but I, yeah, I had, I had written a, a recent article just talking about success and tryouts, which is, which is exactly that. And I think just keeping those three things like front of mind, like effort, attitude, and focus. I mean, at the end of the day, like there is politics and there is nepotism in hockey. And that's, I mean, it's never going away because it's the same across all sectors. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> But sport is still one of the places where meritocracy exists. And if you are, if you are outraged, like, can you imagine if I got put in the NBA lineup and got sent out there? Like, it would be so laughable. Like, it would just, like, it would just be such a farce that they'd be like, get this guy off the court, put someone else on who can actually do the job. So I do think sports are one of those areas where, where meritocracy still rules. So for these kids, it's show up, show up every day with positive attitude, be a good teammate, uh, work as hard as you possibly can because you can't control much else but you can you can control that and then focus just on yourself you know don't get caught in politics don't get caught up in 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 your teammates be a good teammate don't ignore them but but also don't worry about what they're doing focus on yourself be a great teammate have a good attitude and then work as hard as you possibly can um if you do those three things at the end of the trial if you don't make it then it's all good you know, you can, you might, you're going to be upset, obviously, but you'll be able to look back on it and, and be proud. I remember when, um, yeah, I tried out for, um, I tried out for a team and I, well, I, I think I probably already knew I was going to make the team at the time. So, uh, I've been cut for a triple A team. And so I was trying out for the, one of our double A teams and I knew, I, I shouldn't say I knew, but I was pretty confident that I was already going to make that team. And, and I acted like a, a little jerk in tryouts. And I remember getting off the ice and my father being so mad at me and like walking to the car and he's like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed that I had to watch you do that today. And then I was like, what? He's like, you acted like you were better than everyone. Like, do you think that's okay? Um, and so I still remember that from the time I was 12, I think maybe 13 at the time. Um, and that was the only thing I think he was ever really upset about me, upset with me about in my, in my athletic career that I can really remember. It's like, well, you thought you were better than everyone. You didn't think you had to try today um so so yeah <laughs> if you if you take care of those things you'll be all right just to go back to you know for to rewind here 10 minutes and you're talking about that um 
you got some uh, athletes that you've already listed and you're already you know calling their names out that they're going to be a, a stud player in the NHL. Ryan Winterton. Ryan uh, Winterton. There we go. That's it. Yeah. So what like talk about Ryan maybe like wh- what is it? What are some specific things that he does in the morning when he gets up when he comes to your training center? Like what like it's one for, thing for us to say, well, he's got a champion's mindset, but yeah, yeah. for a, 14-year-old boy who's coming to play for my team this year, what does that actually look like in the morning and then by the time he goes to bed at night, what has he done in those those wee hours of the day? Like Ryan came in, it just came off, so he had played um, he played in the, in the OHL, they had a pretty deep run, then he went to Coachella, been a black ace for them. Uh, they obviously went to Game 7 when they lost to the Hershey Bears. Shout out to Connor McMichael because he's one of, our, one of our players, he won the Calder Cup. We got a cup party on uh on sunday so fifth year in a row not the same cup this year but nonetheless still a cup party um so so yeah so ryan had been pretty deep you know coming in so he's a little bit beat up so he you know the the biggest thing is that he's so responsive he came in we're like hey ryan you got to work on this like your quads and your and your hips are way too tight you're having back issues like not not issues but like you're getting a lot of discomfort and a lot of tension through your back you got to work on these so he's like, okay, well, what do you need me to do? It's like, well, you know, these are your four stretches and activities. You need to hit them in the morning when you wake up, when you're here, when you go home and at night. He's like, okay, done. And he goes and he does it immediately. And we don't have to talk about it again. And in three days when I'm like, how's the stretching going? He's like, ah, good, I've been doing it. And it's like, how are you feeling? He's like, I'm feeling a little bit better. It's like, okay, perfect. Um, then it comes from a nutrition perspective. So, so yeah, it's like, you have to put weight on. You need to eat more. So he comes in, he meets with Sylvie nutritionist she gives him a plan and he goes and he follows it and it's not it's not a question on friday it's like hey yeah he's a he's a grown man he's allowed to have some sociable beverages but it's like hey like yeah just a couple this weekend really light that's it like you had a hard week of training we got another hard week that's you know that's something that is demonstrably negative like keep it keep it on the rails get good sleep get rested be ready for monday you see him on monday it's like what'd you do he's like just went to college with the family hung out got lots of sleep and he's ready to go so so yeah it's taking information it's applying it quickly we talked about that at the very beginning you know the 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 shorter the gap from from idea to implementation it's the same concept it's like this is the principle implement it you implement it immediately well now you get compound interest working for you over time so for him it's like okay started stretching now i feel better um and then when he gets on the ice, he's a pleasure to have on the ice. And that's that's one of the big things. Like he's just so positive. He's having fun out there, but he's working hard at the same time. Um, you know, some guys struggle to do that. They can't do both. You know, they they have too much fun or they don't work hard enough. Um, but yeah, he's yeah, he's he's very aware of his skill set. You know, if he makes a mistake, he doesn't take it too seriously. He's upset about it, but it doesn't impact himself and his teammates around him. He just gets back in, does another rep, goes through it. So um, those are the big things that I notice anyway. He takes information, he applies it immediately. And when he's on the ice, he's working hard, but it's a pleasure to be around. Yeah, that's really neat. I think, I mean, what you're kind of talking about, if we're, we're talking about parents and, and their influence in their children's lives as they're 14 growing up to, to be a Ryan, you know, you're listing character traits, right? These, uh, these, are, these are all developable things. So, they're, you know, he's coachable. Sounds like he's positive attitude. He's respectable, and I think at the end of the day, you know, he he seems to show some humility as well, right? Just yeah, in yeah, for sure. just in the ability to <laughs> to take the advice and be like, okay. He got so he, he was one of the guys cut from the skate last week. I say that like there's a couple skates, but like from the big dog skate, it's like, hey man, we got too many bodies and you haven't played any NHL games. And he's like, yeah, no, makes sense. 
And like, that's, it's like the end of the conversation. Like there's no more conversation about it. It's fine. You know, he could pout and just be like, what do you mean? I'm like drafting the NHL. Like, a, like I'm like a top player. I'm too good for these other guys that I'm playing against right now, you know? So everything you guys have going on in Toronto, you got, you know, 70, 80 junior guys, plus all your, your NHL players in the European mix. What if a kid is from Flin Flon, Manitoba, and he's just got, you know, whether it's the time or the money to, to get to a Gary Roberts or to a PHA Center of Excellence. What, like, what are some tips and hints that you can give a family that is just, there's, there's just really nothing for them, uh, you know, other than making do with what they've got in their hometown? You don't, you don't need that much to be successful. Like we, like you should see some of the gyms that Connor and I have trained out of, like over the, over the last 12 years and some of the places like we've, I mean, we've trained on, we've trained on stairs, like just stairs, like just in some random play, like whatever we're, we're traveling for something. We're stuck somewhere like, Hey, like let's go. And now we're in the stairwell of a building and, and we're getting it down there. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a, a misconception that things need to be, that things need to be fancy, uh, for them to be good. Uh, the weights weigh the exact same. I've been all over the world and they're the exact same. Sometimes they're in pounds and sometimes they're in kilos, but at the end of the day, the weight itself doesn't change at all. Um, so, so yeah, for, for those kids, I think it's, it's not like don't view it as a disadvantage in some ways i think you do have an advantage you have less noise around which is a which is a beautiful beautiful thing you can get down get to work there are tons of great training programs online if you don't have the means to to work with anyone if you you know if you have a little bit of money that that you can invest in your career you know maybe if you're the player it's like take a little accountability go do a little bit of work you know go work for go work for 6 weeks and uh and find an expert and pay for a training program and it'll be a fraction of the cost because it's remote i mean kids can work with us for for less than 600 dollars for the whole summer from a distance custom training program ton of nutrition resources um you know that's not an insignificant amount of money but it's also not insurmountable you know um so i think that, that for those kids it's like take some accountability realize that uh just because you're not in a big center doesn't mean you can't make it um the, the the puck's the same size and the sheet's the same size so yeah. yeah that's fantastic that's great advice i love that part that you know even the best player in the world has no excuse for not having a facility just running stairs you know i i was in south of moscow a number of years ago speaking at a conference and uh, it was at an olympic training facility so my mindset going in is it's going to be this taj mahal of workout uh, equipment and just some brilliant you know, plans are all laid out and I get there and it's almost like other than maybe about 500 pounds of loose weight sitting in the corner, it was just this open hall. And this was a, an Olympic training center for wrestling, boxing and other combat sports. And I'm just thinking, okay, I'm, I must be missing something. And no, they came in and it's all like body weight, strength exercises and agility. And, and those guys just like they were putting in and it wasn't just for the Russian athletes. It was for that whole kind of commonwealth area of uh of nations that were training at the time so mm. it's not you know it's not like russia has some little training secret it's it's very common for world class athletes to put in that mindset of it doesn't matter what we've got for facilities as long as we're putting in the effort we've got a great attitude um it, it's a crossover for all sports 100 percent. i mean i had a coach who was a master of sport he was um sambo master of sport back in russia and he coached here in toronto 
and we we would we would have gloves and wraps on our hand mouth guards in and that would be it that's all we would ever have like every day at practice like nothing else came out there was no i'll i'll rant a little bit about on ice hockey training but there is no gimmicks like there's nothing that bothers me more than when i look out on the ice and it looks like my kid's toy box was dumped on the ice it's like <laughs> Like hockey is played with your head up and all of a sudden you put a hundred things in front and you made the complexity so high that my field of view has to be, it has to be myopic in order for me to get through this drill. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I gave Almas enough credit at the time even like it was just gloves and mouth cards and you, and that was it. And we'd have amazing workouts day after day after day. It may be different and variable and it would just, yeah, that was all that was necessary. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think the 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 training, quote unquote, of sport has really has really swung. The pendulum swung, and it needs to come back a little bit. I agree, a hundred percent. Well, this has been uh, very informative, Adrian. Lots of uh, lots of information. We're just going to take a quick little break, um, and we'll we'll come back to, with our closing segments and a few stories. So we'll be back right after this break. Back from break, uh, we're here uh, with the Win All Day Every Day podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy, and it's been a great segment. And Adrian, you've been hitting it out of the park with lots of great information for us. Um, we're jumping into our closing segment of Grandpa B Story Time, and I've got a, a slew of stories that, that I thought I was going to unpack and share, but the moment you talked about the Tour de France, <laughs> it was just like... Hijacked. Okay, was, here we go. Was, we're, we're ready to roll. So talk some... Like, <laughs> For those that don't know, I love cycling. Uh, if if I didn't like if, if hockey wasn't my um, job and career, I I would be in the cycling world, or I was in the cycling world, and uh, owned some bike shops and managed a, a, a semi-pro cycling team. And and so I've, it's not like I'm I'm stranger to it, but um, I love the sport. And I think the the number one reason I love the sport of cycling so much is what we've been talking about today: hmm. the champion's mindset. You can be a good cyclist, you can have the best fitness, uh, you can have the best equipment, but if between the ears you don't have it together, you, you, you can't even, like, a 50-kilometer bike ride becomes difficult, never mind a 3,000-kilometer one. Uh, so I, I think that, and uh, for a hockey podcast, it might be dangerous for me to say this, but I think professional cyclists are the most mentally tough athletes on the planet. Or they're up there with with them in terms of what they have to do in terms of their fitness. They're playing chess at 50 kilometers an hour with 200 other guys inches away from each other, and and not many sports um, have their top athletes die on a regular basis. And and cycling is one of those sports. So you've got to be able to set aside fear um, and all these other parts of of your performance. And so that's why I want to hear about your opportunity to be actually in France for the tour this year. Okay, so I, I'm going to get into it in one sec, but you just said something really, really interesting. So you talked about mental toughness in cycling. Okay, so cycling is arguably the most 
well-tested and researched sport in the world. They keep track of everything. So in yes. some teams will release their data, right? So you could go on and you could see what their wattage is at any time, what their FTPs are, which is really, really cool. You can see their lactate levels. Um, they test everything, but they do not test HRV. So HRV is your readiness score. So if you have an aura ring or a whoop band, if you're a player, they don't test your HRV during the competitive season. And that's because they their play their their riders know when it's time to go, basically. And they don't put anything else in their head. And I thought that was one of the in, most interesting things that I learned in the last couple months about the sport. So I expected that they had HRV scores going. Like every morning you get sleep daddy, you see what the guys are doing. They have none of that whatsoever. They wake up and they said, Are you ready to go? And the guys say yes or no, and then they go. So yeah. um yeah, so we got we found out uh, dates of the camp in France. Uh, Andre Nastrasil, who used to play for Carolina, plays in uh, Trinic. He's um, you know one of Czech's top players um, right now. So he's a diehard cyclist fan. Um, he's been watching the tour as long as I've known Nesty, which is like six or seven years. Um, and not just like watching it. I mean, watching every minute of every stage. Like that's that's his jam. Um, so he saw the dates were lining up and we were going to be there for stage 16 time trial, uh, just outside of, of Chamonix, France, where we were, where we were doing the camp Their uh, their media manager is friends with one of the therapists on Israel Primertech's team. So he called him and said, Hey, I've got four Czech guys and a Canadian. Can they come out and hang out for the day? So we're like, okay, this is pretty cool. So it happened to be, I'm actually pissed. I've got my hat downstairs. I, I, I might have to go grab it in a second, but I got my I got my Israel Premier Tech hat. So they um, they had a, an off day the day before the time trial. So it happened to line up perfectly. We flew in, we trained in the morning on Tuesday. Then we got in the car, we drove up and uh, they were just coming back from their coffee ride. Uh, so we're like, what are you guys doing a day off? They're like, oh, just a little coffee ride. So they did 55K and I think 12, 100 meters of elevation just as a just as a flush um to to get ready for the time trial and they come back and they've got three canadians on the team um and michael woods who won stage nine um yep. is is from ottawa and he's a huge hockey fan he used to play as a kid you know played triple a just wasn't big enough he's a small small guy um wasn't big enough he ran as a marathoner then transitioned into cycling after so he's like pretty fired up when he when he finds out i start like the names were just falling out of my pocket i was trying to get as much credibility as possible in a short time as possible so we didn't <laughs> get kicked out um <laughs> so he starts he starts telling some some great stories like being in ottawa training with some of the guys char used to come out and ride with them um when he had some time off as well so he'd go out get on the bike and and mike said it was hilarious he's like like he's probably like five foot two uh 144 seven pounds maybe and you know you got the big z behind him so it would have looked like a like a wes anderson film probably but um <laughs> but uh yeah they got another guy from quebec um hugo and uh i'm trying to think of the third Canadian was but anyway they let us come stay they showed us the they showed us the the bus they showed us the food truck um kind of the bike racks we got to talk to the therapist just hang out for a couple hours it's like a pretty cool environment and these guys are coming in and they're like laughing they're like time trial tomorrow so it's a day off for us boys because they know <laughs> that like it doesn't matter like they're not it's not right. happening um so that's on the that's on the uh the tuesday wednesday time trials on so 
the guys the guys that hosted the camp they live like 15 minutes away so they're like okay i think we got the perfect place so we leave practice we rush to make the train um the train's just an absolute party just beers are coming out of everyone's backpack like not just us like everyone like the, it's coming out everyone's drinking them on the train we get to the uh we get to the spot we got to hike up i don't know maybe, maybe it's like 2k like total walking and there's probably like a you know maybe 800 meters of elevation at the end we get up we kind of go around one corner go around the other and it is like the perfect spot it's it's only 5k into the trial so everyone's still fresh like they're coming in hot uh and we get to see we had to see them come up they go into a right hand turn they straighten out they go into a left hand turn and then we watch them go so we're probably i don't know we get to watch them for 20 ish seconds which in cycling is a long time you know like right. if we went to a different stage like we would have caught the peloton maybe the breakaway and it would have been done um yeah. so the way the time trials work and you know this obviously Barrett, but they they're inverse order so last the guys in last go first and then it works down um so yeah it's pretty like it's a little not i wouldn't say subdued but it's quieter at the start and then all of a sudden they've got some like yeah, the big dogs are coming up, but then like Pino takes off. Obviously, he's a French legend, so the place is going ballistic as he's climbing the hill. Um, uh, who was KOM at the time? I think uh, Giacconi was. So he comes off like the place goes bananas, and there's these two little kids. They're probably 11 years old, sitting right across from us. We have our shirts off. I'll send you guys the clip after we're on Czech national TV. Uh, they come <laughs> around the corner, and uh, it's during. Uh, I think is it is it. Pogacha's time trial, maybe. Anyway, it's one of the, it's either him or uh, Jonas. They come around the corner, and you can see us there with our shirts off cheering. But there's these two little kids across from us, and they are screaming at every rider in whatever language. So if he's German, they're yelling in German. If he's Italian, oh. they're yelling in Italian. France, it doesn't matter. They Dutch, like every single they're like yeah. The French guys come by like ale, ale, ale. and their faces <laughs> are like this close to the bicycle, yeah. and you can see like the guys that the guys that are actually taking a stab at it like they're cutting the right lines like they're tight to the corner like they're like they're they're going for it the guys yeah. that know you know they're they're like watching they're kind of in the middle of the road but i would say from 30 onwards was just out of control good like it was mm -hmm. amazing to see and it's such a huge production right the choppers right. coming overhead when um yeah when van art went like the chopper follows them the whole way all you hear is <laughs> And then he comes up. People are going, going ballistic. So it was, it was one of the coolest sporting events I've been to. It, yeah. uh, if I had to suggest for someone, I think time trial is the way to go because you get to see them for longer. We got to watch them climb, and just the yeah, even just seeing the difference in the guys that are top climbers and the guys that were struggling was uh, yeah. it was incredible. Even in that little little short sector. So um, yeah, that was my Tour de France experience. So just cool. out of control. Good. Gosh, maybe it was stage 15, 14, something like that. So uh, Woods is in the breakaway, and then he pushes, and then the guys have to follow, and they get up to the top of the climb, and you literally see them yelling at him. Like, they're so yeah. mad. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, why are you going now? We have 47K to go. And unless you understand the sport, you have no idea. You're, you're like, well, just keep riding. Like, just keep riding. Like, why are you slowing down? Well, even the, on stage nine when Woodsy won, Anyway, yeah. there, there's a select group. There's like ten guys, and they're they're going up a thirteen to seventeen percent grade climb for eight miles. It was ridiculous. It was so steep. There wasn't even out, out from five kilometers on. It was just solo riding. There wasn't a fan, uh, no one in the audience. Wow. 
And Woodsy got dropped. He got popped off the group. And there was a guy that was, everyone's like, oh, he's, he's going to win this. And all of a sudden, you just, on the, on the chart on the TV, you can see Woodsy's gaining and gaining. And all of a sudden, he, like, with 500 meters to go, he blows by the guy and, and wins. And the mental toughness to be able to know that I, was, I had a chance to win this stage, and then I got popped. And for him to battle back, like, legendary status. Well, Nesty, so Nesty's such a fan, right? So he's like kind of fanboying when he meets him. And he and he says to him, and this is so funny, because like Andre's played in the NHL. He's like one, he's won championships in the KHL in Czech. He goes, uh, he goes, Hey man, like, congrats, like amazing to see you win. It was tons of fun. He goes, You kind of started a little late on it though, eh? And Mike just looks at him and goes, Yep. Yeah, we get we get in the bus or back in the truck after, excuse me. And Nesty's like, What did I say? He's like, I just panicked. He's like, can you imagine like him listening to me? Like, why are you talking to me about this right now? Yeah. But that was amazing, amazing experience. Watch the Netflix documentary; you won't regret it. There, there's there's another one out on uh, Cavendish has his own now, and yeah. Cavendish just signed with Israel Premier Tech for next year, so he can win that 35th stage and break the record. So, man, there's so many great things to talk about in sport. At the end of the day, when we're talking about all the conditioning, all the nutrition we've had our guests on. We had Scott King talking about skill development. Every sport has all these factors, part of it. I'm excited about today because it comes down to your mindset, right? And having that champion's mindset. And even in business later on in life, you gotta, you gotta have that mindset of, of being a champion. Our podcast is called Win All Day Every Day and we feel the same thing at Prey Hockey Academy, that we wanna develop leaders on and off the ice with the mindset of like being a champion in everything you do, on the ice, at practice, in film, in the weight room, in your, in your relationships. And uh, so that's why, that's why you see at our facilities, win all day, every day, splashed everywhere. That's why our podcast is called that, because we want to make sure that uh, we're, we're doing that in our lives. We're trying to model that in our lives. And anyone that comes in contact with our program, uh, they're going to see that. So I really appreciate you today, Adrian, for unpacking a lot of that for us and getting us excited about the Tour de France and also about uh, the upcoming season. So we need to know that you work with so many guys. Um, you've had cup parties there at Gary Roberts. You're gonna have another Calder Cup party um, as well um, as your previous Stanley Cup parties. But I, with, with, with the acquisition of Carlson the other day as a diehard Penguins fan, I'm gonna say coming out of the East with a vengeance this year is gonna be Sid, re-motivated -re Sid with Carlson on the back end and Latang. Like, we're unstoppable. The Penguins are going to win the Cup. Who do you say? That's, it's got to be the oil. Literally has to be the oil this year. It has to be. Come on. Should have been the oil this past year. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm quadrupling down on it. So, <laughs> I think we had Bush in the gym just coming for a day. Uh, they added Ekholm. You know, the back end, yeah. The back end is shoring up. I think that Soupy's going to find it is my prediction. Okay? okay. I love Jack. He's a lovely, lovely young man. I think that he's going to dial in his championship mindset. And uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're deadly serious about it too. I've never, I've, I don't know Leon as well as Connor, obviously, but, um, but I've gotten a chance to, to get to know him a lot better. He bought a house in Aurora so he could be close uh, to the gym to train. And he's, he's more serious than I've ever seen him. For sure. So I think a motivated Leon Dreisaitl is a scary, scary, scary thing. Yeah. And can Connor have a better season than he had? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. All right. That's Leon's my pick. Great. 
oil. That'd be a great final. Pittsburgh. Loved, I would love to see that. It'd be amazing. What a what a that would be the poets would be. Can you hear my daughter's having a meltdown? The poets would be uh yeah, they'd be over the moon. Sid versus McDavid to, to close oh, that out. Oh yeah. I, I would love Gary, it. Gary would be happy, and that's what matters in the NHL. Oh so. gee, yeah, he's still a big deal. They still uh yeah, the the Chuck Norris, Gary Roberts jokes are still huge in Pittsburgh. So like <laughs> they just insert him with Chuck Norris all over the place. So <laughs> good. Guys, thank you so much. Amazing. Yeah, Adrian, thanks for your time. Um, if people you know want to take a peek a little bit at what's going on at the Gary Roberts High Performance Training, I think obviously you guys have a great, uh, I think, Instagram account where you share lots of videos and stories every day of uh, some of the training that's happening, a website they can learn more about. And uh, we'll just kind of push people that way if uh, if they're interested in to learn more about yourself and, and the team there. And Yeah, it's perfect. GaryRobertsPerformance.com and then uh, GaryRobertsHPT is the, uh, is the Insta handle. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you can always reach out. Awesome. Appreciate your time. Thanks for everything. Enjoy the rest of your evening being a dad and a husband. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Win All Day Every Day podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would ask that you follow us on our social media feeds so you can get weekly alerts when we drop a new episode. Plus, if you could leave us a comment and a rating so that other listeners can have the opportunity to hear about this podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. This allows us to grow our awareness of today's show and further episodes. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, and we look forward to seeing you in the future.